And without further ado, um, Rich is going to be uh, preaching to us, uh, continuing our series, Jesus the Game Changer, looking at the Gospel of Luke. And uh, for those who, most people know Rich, but those who don't, Rich is a valued part of the team heading up uh, Project 41, helping us as a church for what we do in the community, along with his wife, Gaynor. And then, as well as that, is uh, increasingly helping me more and more uh, with different pastoral responsibilities across the church. But let's have a hand for Rich as he shares with us. Thank you. Right, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here this morning. And I'm going to start by opening in prayer, so if you'd like to close your eyes. (sighs) Father in heaven, we just thank you that you are an amazing God, a loving God, and We just thank you that we're able to praise you this morning, to give you our all this morning. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd be so with us this morning, that you would melt our hearts this morning, that we would give of ourselves more than we've ever given before. So I invite you, Holy Spirit, come and break into this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good stuff. Right, I want to introduce you to Pratima. Where is she? She's coming up. I'd like you to listen to her testimony. Her testimony is her story how she became to be a Christian, her story. So if you'd like to come up and join us. And this is about... So the subject today is giving up everything for Jesus. Far away. Thank you. Brilliant. There you go. Thank you. So good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Pratima. So today I'm going to tell my testimony. So I was born and brought up in India in a Hindu family. Uh, married to Navneet. We have uh, two children, uh, Sanjeet and daughter Krishna. So I came to England in year 2000 to work as a nurse. Uh, I could read, write, understand, speak a little bit English, but not fluent, not as good as I could be a good nurse. So Auntie Susie, who was my boss at that time, invited me to come to church, Woodside Church. So my first thought was, oh, this is a good opportunity for me to come to church and start practicing my speaking English skills. Since age of five, uh, our parents taught us to practice the Hinduism. So that involves doing puja, tap, worship, fasting, walking barefoot to temple, climbing mountains where the God sits, and all things like that. So... And my son was suffering from asthma, so at that time I had walked bare feet uh, to get my son get healed from asthma. So when he was suffering from asthma, he had multiple respiratory arrests. He was hospitalized often. Uh, sometimes, you know, during day, quite a lot of time we would go to hospital taking him as well. And most of our money was spent keeping him well. So we couldn't afford to have a second child either. Uh, that involved uh, our family, all of us. We did a lot of pujas and taps and, you know, special things we did. So as a result, uh, my son then having a less frequency of the asthmatic attack and less severity. And kind of he had, sometimes he would go for a few weeks without all these attacks. So that's where we, we were. So after when I came to England, as I said, Auntie Susie invited me to church. So a few months later, I started attending Alpha Course. And during the Alpha Course, I started comparing Hinduism, uh, which uh, the two holy books is Gita and Mahabharata, and Bible. So when I started comparing, the one main thing I found was, is that in Mahabharata, Lord Krishna, to save himself, he, by his power, he traps his own nephew, and he saves himself, so his nephew gets killed. And in Bible, uh, so that's called a Dharma Yudh, 
colder my youth, but yeah. So uh, when I compared the Bible, I found that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, uh, for my shame, my guilt, my mistakes, much more my religious even practice what I was doing. So on the last day of Alpha Course, it used to be away day and uh, people were praying for me. And I can clearly picture even now that from bright light, uh, Jesus spoke to me to say, I love you and here I am. So I realized I was a sinner and I gave my life to Christ. And I promised him I'll follow you the rest of my life. After all the exciting moments, as I was coming home, the fear crippled in. And I thought, oh, what have I done? So anyway, I came home and I called my husband, who was in India at that time, to say, what has happened? And I gave my life to Christ. So he said to me, okay, when I come over there, we'll see. <laughs> so a few months later, my children and my husband, they came to England uh, to join me. They all, all started coming to church. Uh, he came for probably a couple of months, and then he stopped coming to church. Started working over weekends to earn the money. We were new, settling here as well. And of course, he wasn't agreeing. Though he was never practicing Hinduism, I was the one who was very strong Hindu. So he stopped coming as well. And uh, this thing just stays there. So after that, what happened is that I started telling the Bible stories to my children. I used to tell the Hindu God stories. Now I started telling Bible God stories to my children. They had a lot of questions along with me growing. I was helping my children as well. So when they came to England, Jeet had another asthmatic attack. And uh, my family back home said to me, uh, especially my in-laws, because we all did the pujas and tap together, uh, they said to me, because I have become a Christian, Hindu God is punishing Jeet, and I should revert back to Hinduism. Of course, I said no, so then they sent all the people who are respected in our families, extended families, to come and talk to me about going back to Hinduism. And, uh, you know, that time, I was also, when I became a Christian, I was worshipping idols, so I had a silver and gold statues of the idols with me. And I was looking to sell those statues as well. So, uh, one day, God spoke to me very clearly at night to say that, you know, you are kind of selling this to encourage other people to buy the idols. So, next day morning, I got up and put the box into the bin. And uh, God has been clearly speaking to me through and throughout. Again, a few months more later, uh, Rambabu came from India. And uh, we were still continue praying because I was blamed for all what I, I became a Christian. So we continue praying for Jeet to get healed from asthma. And so Rambabu prayed for Jeet, and Jeet got completely healed from asthma. Up till today's the date, he never had any asthmatic attack. So God is so good. Yeah. So a year later, my in-laws came to England. Uh, to visit us, and they asked me, because they got to know that now I'm, we are Christians, uh, and asked me, so where is the idols? And I said, I put them in a bin. I was in a big trouble. <laughs> they were not happy. Yeah. So they spoke to many of our relatives again, and, you know, to, for me to go back to Hinduism and all that things, that still sometimes still continues even up to now, 18 years later. So... Two years on, my husband became a Christian, and then followed by my two children became Christian. I thank God for 100% our family added into his kingdom. Yeah. So in these 18 years, as I said, many difficulties came, but our God is so good. 
his caring, compassionate, powerful, merciful, victorious, who has promised me he will never leave me and nor forsake me. His goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. I can tell you hundreds of stories and testimonies about how faithful God has been in my life. Jesus accepted me as I am. In Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, and I held on to it from the time I gave my life to, is I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And he's continuing doing it even now. And I thank God for that. I also thank church for helping us to grow as a couple as well as in our children. There are many people who have helped our children to grow as well uh, in their walk with Lord. So thank God and the Jesus Christ for bringing me out of darkness, showing me the light of his love, giving me the powerful words and the Holy Spirit to live my daily life. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pratima. That's amazing. It's an amazing testimony there of what it looks like to give everything over to Jesus your whole life. So we're going to be looking today at Luke 5, 1 to 11. And uh, we're going to be talking about giving up everything. Now this could be a really heavy talk if I'm not careful. We could all feel like failures by the end of it. It's a hard subject to talk on because, because it will need for, it will cause us to ask ourselves some really big questions and hard questions. Have we given up everything to follow Jesus? Or are we kidding ourselves? As we reflect on where we're at, it's important to remember this one beautiful fact, and I want this to resonate through this whole talk, and that is that we follow a compassionate and gracious God who is slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Exodus 34. And that Jesus knows that following him is a really hard thing to do. But we are called to follow him. We are also fully forgiven when we confess our sins. It says he, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's on that basis that we can go forward. Giving up everything for Jesus. I want to tell you a story from the ESV, which is the English Standard Version of the Bible. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. 
From, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats into land, they left everything and followed him. One of our main purposes in our Christian life is to follow Jesus in catching men and women for him. To be fishers of men and women. See, Jesus changes everything for the better for those who love him. He's changed everything for the better for us. And he's going to change everything for the better for them. We have something glorious to give away. Society puts a great deal of importance on our careers, on our jobs. But our most important calling is to see see people come to know Jesus as their personal saviour. Having said that, there's nothing wrong with being successful in business or a great employer and a great employee or trying hard to find employment. God wants us to work hard, serve the the company well and be the most honest employee that the business has. But we are called to be fishers of men and women in our spheres of influence. Whether that's at the office, whether that's at school, out on the road, at the Job Centre Plus, as we mix with those who are unemployed. When we follow Jesus, we must adopt his purposes for our lives. His primary purpose is to make us more like himself and not to run after the things of this world, success and money. His word says to us all, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, but rather seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew 6. Whatever job or situation that we are in, our main goal should to be glorify is to glorify Jesus with the way we behave, in the way our attitudes are formed, what we say to people. The people we rub shoulders with are our mission field. So in the story I've just read, Peter, James and John had a massive catch of fish, probably broke all their records. They would have made a lot of money if they'd sold those fish. Most businesses looked at Jesus and said, what a great acquisition he would be for their business. <laughs> they'd give him incentives and bonuses, wouldn't they? But Jesus called Peter and John and, and James the opportunity to catch men as a much bigger calling on their lives. And that's our calling as well. What the fishermen witnessed was a miracle, undeniably an act of God. They'd been fishing for years, it was their living, and yet this, this, these boats were full of fish. It was a miracle. They saw that Jesus was completely different to anyone they'd ever met before. Peter fell on his knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He was a rough, tough fisherman. He knew he'd met somebody very, very special. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything to follow Jesus. They, put their, they left the fish there, it would appear. They left their boats, they left their nets, they left their way of life, they left their careers, their friendship groups, their income. They left everything. Life of those guys changed right there and then. Not only for them, but for their wives and for their families. A new focus had entered their lives. Jesus had captivated them. He was, he was worth giving up everything for. He was then and he still is today. The question is, are we living for Jesus in our lives? Are we following him completely? Are we giving him 
our all. This does not mean that we need to give up our jobs or anything like that, but refocusing on the reason that we live to see souls saved in our spheres of influence. Using the gifts that God has given us to see people come to know Jesus as their personal saviour. At the end of our lives, guys, we're not going to be measured on whether we've accumulated a load of wealth, how far up the corporate ladder we've climbed. But we will be measured on whether how faithfully we've used the gifts that God has entrusted to us to build his kingdom, whether directly through our verbal witness or indirectly through our example, our giving, our works, our good works, our service. We need to see things differently if we want to be used seeing God's kingdom grow here on earth. When I was in the police service, I received a letter through the internal mail. I was very surprised because it's not something that happened. There were normally official notifications. And I opened up this letter. It was a letter from a colleague I'd worked with two or three years previous. He was a guy who was kind of over here. I didn't know him that well. He was kind of, you know, I knew he was on the team, but I didn't really know him that well. And he sent me a letter and he told me that he was about to change his career and he wanted to write a letter to me and tell me that he'd been observing me, watching the way I lived my life. And it was a really positive and encouraging letter. I don't know if he ever became a Christian, that guy. But people are watching us. They want to see if we are different. They want to see what our values are. They want to see how we present ourselves. What motivates us? Does being a Christian make a difference? Do we have the answers and are we following Jesus? Following Jesus will cost us popularity. We will lose friends. We may feel on our own at times. But you know, Jesus is worth the price. He really is worth the price. In my previous, one of my previous jobs, people, there's a few people that wouldn't work with me. The reason they wouldn't work with me is because they said I was too honest. That is the kind of example, guys, we've got to live. And we have Jesus living in us through his Holy Spirit to enable us to do that. And we will get it wrong at times. I've got it wrong loads of times. But we have a merciful God who loves us and is in the game of changing us to be more like his son. And this is our life journey. It's full of ups and downs and it's full of failures and triumphs. Obedience brings results. When Peter let his nets down, he caught a whole load of fish. Master, we've toiled all night, he said, and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. Peter could have said, who's a fisherman around here? It's me, I've been fishing for years. What do you know about fishing? Don't, tell me, don't teach me to suck eggs. But he didn't. He took a position of humility. He trusted Jesus and went for it. And that's what we're called to do. Like a childlike faith. Trust in Jesus and go for it. The results for Peter show for themselves. The results for us will also show. Amazing things happen when we do what Jesus asks us to do. God blesses us abundantly. So are we listening to God and are we open to the prophetic in our lives and do we allow it to shape our future what is the prophetic it's when God speaks to our hearts he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit 
directly or through someone else and speaks to us and gives us that direction for our lives. Are we listening? In 2012, I went with Andy Martin, who was a previous leader in this church. I was his cab driver, and we went down to Lowestoft to a church where he was preaching that day. And as I closed my eyes, I had a vision in which God told me that he was going to train me, and he was going to teach me, and he was going to stretch me. At the end of the service, some guy came up to me I'd never met before, I'd never seen him since, and he said to me, a God in the service told me to come and speak to you. I went, yeah, what's, what's that then? What's, he, what's God said? And he said, God's told me that he's going to stretch you and he's going to teach you. Shortly after this, I started work with the King's Arms Project. On the very first day, when people would start there, they prayed for them and they prophesied over them. And someone prophesied over me and they said to me that I, would, that I was there to be, to be trained. I, I wasn't there for a long time. I was there to be trained for something else. It was real, I knew it was true. This guy was speaking to me. I knew it was true. It's a strange, strange word to get on your first day of employment. Actually, you're not going to be here very long. We're here to train you, but you're off, mate. You know, it's great. But I knew if God was spoken. Again, in the 1st of November 2016, I woke up in the middle of the night, and again, God spoke to me. He told me that he was going to be moving me from that job, the job I really enjoyed, to somewhere else. He told me there was going to be a time period, but he was going to bless me where he was moving to. And he said exactly what he did, because I'm now here serving you guys and serving Jesus here at Woodside and doing a really similar job that I did in my previous work. But the difference is I've been trained to do it, so I can now serve you guys well. That's how God does it. If we step out in faith, now he's amazing what he does. Peter listened to Jesus, responded in faith. His life was transformed. He went from being a fisherman to being a fisher of men and a shepherd of God's people. Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we listening to the prophetic in our lives? Are we stepping out in faith when we've heard God speak? Now this thing, this part, I think is really important. And I've been really challenged on this again. And that's when God speaks to us, and he does speak, let's record it. Let's write it down. Because when you think about it, if God's spoken and we just ignored it, how good's that? Not very good, is it? God speaks to you, record it, write it down, go back to it, ask God to see his purposes revealed. It's a really powerful thing to do. I've got a book, and I just I looked at it yesterday. It's amazing where God has spoken. As a church, we're allowing God to shape our future. Martin called a meeting a few months back. Prophetic people, he invited them along. He said, what does God want for us as a church? It was amazing. Out of that, a multi-site has been birthed. That's where it's come from the prophetic. But are we doing it, guys, in our own lives? Are we listening to God and are we acting on it? Following Jesus cost everything. Pratima's testimony shows that, doesn't it? It cost her everything. In Luke 5, 27 to 28, after healing a paralytic, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. His name was Levi. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Leaving everything, he arose and followed Jesus. There is a cost in following Jesus. It costs Levi everything, and it costs us everything too. Jesus went to Levi's house, met with the other tax collectors. He was criticised by the Pharisees for doing this, for meeting with sinners and things like that. And Jesus replied, Those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, guys, that's you and I. 
We're the sinners here. We're called to repentance. We're called to change the way we're living, to follow him wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. That's what he wants. He wants us all. He doesn't want a section. I was telling the morning service, it's not in my script, but no, I remember actually saying these words to God a few years ago. I, you can have all of me, Father, but you can't have my job. And I actually said those things. It was terrible, terrible, terrible thing. And I think it really held me back in my Christian walk. You see, God doesn't want part of us. He wants all of us. Okay, so the cost of following Jesus is great. Or as Jesus puts it, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn away from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. When I became a Christian, there was a cost for me. Nothing like Pratima's, but it was a cost nevertheless. I gave up dating for two and a half years. I stopped getting drunk. I started stopped being one of the lads. Stopped swearing and started to put God at the very front of my thought process. I started to put my faith in him that he knew better for me than I knew for myself. He was worth following, not my mates, not my culture. I felt different from those around me. I had purpose, love, hope and forgiveness. I made real friends who walked along the journey with me, helping me when I struggled and pointing me to Jesus. I am now not in the in crowd. But knowing that I've passed from death to life, that I have a relationship with the living, living Jesus massively makes up for that loss. Or as John Piper puts it, there is no cost you can pay in following Jesus that won't be made up a thousandfold in the resurrection. Jesus spent a lot of time with sinners, those who were breaking God's laws, people like us. <clears throat> Um, and Jesus calls us guys to be exactly like that as well. We're called to mix with people who are different to us or the same as us. We're all sinners after all, and we all need God's forgiveness. We're all called to be around godly men as well, godly men and women. We're called to be around those guys as well because they help to shape us. And we are called to repentance ourselves, a changing direction in our lives and we're called to encourage others to repent and change their ways too. When we become Christian, God works in us through his Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. It's an order of life journey. The fishermen left their nets and Levi left his tax booth. What have we left to follow Jesus? What does it look like for us? So what does it mean to give up everything? It's a big statement, isn't it? What do we know? How do we know even if we're doing it? For many of us, and including me, we don't fully understand what it means to give up everything for Jesus. There's many Christians around the world, and some here at Woodside, who have lost relationship with their families because of their faith in Jesus. Others, their very lives are at risk, and the lives of their families are at risk. For others, prison awaits them, or they've been in prison themselves. Many have left their countries of birth to avoid persecution. In the Western world, we have been protected from most of these things. Our sacrifice seems really small in comparison, but nevertheless, we are still called to a sacrificial life. It may look different to those around the world, but our sacrifice is relevant 
and is loved by God. So what are some of the applications for us? Just written a short checklist, and it's not exhaustive, but some of it is going to be our work. In our employment, we need to work hard. We need to be honest and open to others. But we're also called to let people know that we're Christians, not to hide our light under a bushel, to stand up and be counted. We are, we are the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We are his people. He lives in us. We are there to help people because Jesus lives in us. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not your human masters. And Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes, to the Jews first and then the Greeks. Are we game changers in our places of work? We spend eight hours at our places of work, guys. That's where we're going to have the most influence. Are we game changers there? In our leisure times, are we watching what we watch on telly? Gainer and I have really reviewed this recently. We've been watching some right rubbish, I've got to say. <laughs> um, and it's not good for us. It really doesn't build us up. If Jesus was sat there, he ain't going to be chuffed. So we have binned quite a few things that we've watched. Our thoughts, are they pure and holy? Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. Our friendships. Our friendships got clicky, guys. Have they got clicky? Is it the same people we spend our times with? Or are we open to everybody to join our groups, to join our social circles? Because Jesus was... You look who he mixed with. He mixed with everybody. So let's not be clicky. Let's invite people who are completely different to ourselves and let's love them well and help them to feel part of who we are. Our marriages, are we following Jesus? And his example in serving our husbands and our wives well because we're called to do that. And our romantic relationships, are we putting Jesus first? On the, on the account of money, Money, we say we give, we give our tithe. Actually, you know what, guys? We're, we're actually giving God what's already his. We're not giving our money, we're giving his money because he owns everything. And once we get that perspective, giving is so much easier. Oh, we're just giving him back what's his anyway. Our humility, oh, we're called to serve from the floor, not up here, right down on the floor. Jesus washed the feet. God washed the feet of his disciples. I mean, come on. It's amazing, it's amazing, and that's what we're called to do. Colossians 3 verse 12 says, Put then on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Forgiving others, this is another really big one. Guys, are we holding things from before, things that have happened in the past? We're letting them go. Because you know what? Jesus forgave us completely and he calls us to do the same whatever's happened it's at the foot of the cross jesus you love me and save me you've washed me clean and i'm going to do that i'm going to let this go so that's really important our prayer life are we spending time reading the bible talking to and listening to god are we actively using the gifts god has given us to grow his kingdom or have we hidden them away it's a bit embarrassing standing up and bringing a prophetic word 
Yeah, it is a bit embarrassing bringing a prophetic word, but I tell you what, it builds up the body and it sets people free and it brings life and it's amazing. It'd be great if we individually looked at some of these things on the list and asked us, how are we doing on these things? The good news is we don't have to do all this stuff on our own. The Holy Spirit lives in us. When we invite Jesus into our lives, his Holy Spirit comes in, he lives in us. So we're not doing this on our own. And when we mess up, the cross is there again, and we will mess up. So let's encourage each other, support each other, bear with one another, sharpen one another, love one another. Let's spend time with Jesus each day, ask him to use us to further his kingdom, to grow us from babies to spiritual adults. The fishermen left their nets, and Levi left his tax booth. What have we left to follow Jesus? If you don't know Jesus this morning yet, I want to tell you that he is amazing. Today you could make a decision that would change, radically change, the direction of your life. You could ask him into your life. He will forgive. If you ask him, he will forgive your sins and secure you a place in eternity. What a gift. He is a good God, a loving God, a gracious God. And following him would be the best decision that you could make for your life. And if you want to know more, please speak to me at the end of the service. Could the worship team uh, just come back? While I was preparing for this talk, um, God gave me a picture of an orange, and on the outside of an orange, a really hard skin. And I saw the skin being pulled back, revealing the fleshy bit. And I feel God is saying to us this morning, he wants us to be vulnerable to him. He wants us to pull back all those things, cynicism, unbelief, disappointment, pull them all back, allow Holy Spirit to come in, break in, and change us from the inside out. And we're going to, the team here are amazing, they're going to introduce us to a song which is going to help us to do that, to recommit our lives and say, Jesus, I give you my all. Holy Spirit, come and convict me, but help me and my journey to give you my all. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. You stood before creation, eternity in your Spoke the earth into motion, my song now to sing. You stood before my failure, carried the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders.
with your Holy Spirit radically change us make us amazing disciples we follow you we give our hearts to you in Jesus name Amen okay guys um, for anyone who wants prayer at the end the ministry team would love to pray with you and there's coffee and tea served at the back and if you're new here please introduce yourselves to the, to the team brilliant thank you